0: Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we ask that you would take this time that we've dedicated to your worship and allow us to worship you, not only in the songs we sing, in the prayers that we pray, but in the preaching and most of all, Lord, in the invitation that there would not be one of us here that would withhold from you what is your due, that would allow the Holy Spirit of God to speak to us and do business in each heart. That we would leave this place different than when we came. We ask that you would get glory in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Please remain standing for the next psalm. If you would, and turn to Psalm 23. Psalm 23, one of the most familiar passages in the Bible. And uh, I want us to look at this psalm a little differently this morning. If you read the bulletin, it's Psalm 23 in the key of me, uh, which is the way that we usually read Psalm 23. And uh, I want to challenge you this morning as we look at this Psalm, uh, I went through, counted up, there are 15 personal pronouns in six verses. Seven times the word me is used, five times my, mine once, four times the letter I is used denoting about the psalmist, 15 personal pronouns, but I want you to also notice that the word Lord is used twice, not as a personal pronoun, but that is his title, Uh, thou is used uh, uh, three times, thy is used twice. He, referring to the Lord, is refused to be used four times, his once. And there are 12 references to God in these same verses. So when we look at it that way, it's balanced out pretty well. And I don't believe that God ever intended for us to read this psalm as we mostly do. The Lord is my shepherd. Boy, is he lucky to have me for a sheep. I shall not want because he's going to give me everything I want. I'm never going to get thin because he feeds me by green pastures. I'll never be thirsty. I'll never be uncomfortable because he's going to lead me beside the still waters. I'm never going to be tired because he restoreth my soul. I'm always going to do what's right, even if I'm doing wrong, because he led me there in the first place. How many times have you heard that one? Don't blame your sin on God. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, that's the one they skip over, comfort me, because you're going to use them on somebody else. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. It's just got to be good because God is good that's the way most people read Psalm 23 and don't tell me that you haven't because that's what our heart leads us to do our sinful flesh says it's all about me when we go into the world what is it all about? it's all about you Why do you think they publish advertising? To make you feel important. Now, I don't care what kind of cologne you put on. They're not going to chase you down the road. I don't care what kind of car you drive. They're not going to be standing there just staring at you, wanting to spend time with you. Now, maybe they want to spend time with your car but not with you. We think that if we do these things and we smell this way and we wear these clothes, that people will be attracted to us and, and there might be some truth in that. But is, do you really want people to be attracted to you just because of the clothes you wear or the things you possess? That'd be a pretty shallow relationship, would it not? I want us to take a few moments this morning and think about Psalm 23 because it's really not meant to be sung in the key of me. It's meant to be about the Savior. Let me ask you a question. Why do shepherds keep sheep? I want you to think about that for a moment. Why do shepherds keep sheep? By the way, they still keep sheep today. Why do they raise sheep? Why do men uh, culture them and domesticate them and breed them and take care of them? I mean... Sheep need a lot of care. Why do they do that? I want you to understand something. Shepherds do not keep sheep for the benefit of the sheep, shepherds do not raise sheep just because. They love sheep and they want to be around sheep and, and they want sheep to be around them and they want sheep to like them. Uh, I don't want to get overly political or go too far in the wrong direction this morning, but we have those in government who think that people have businesses for the sole purpose of paying taxes. I want you to understand that the reason people have businesses, the reason people raise sheep is to make a profit, is to gain income from those animals. It's not just for the benefit of something else. It's for the benefit of the person doing the work. Now, was that radical to anybody here today? I guess we don't have any Democrats in the House. But the simple truth of the matter is we have a philosophy in churches and in our government and in our society that the sole purpose for people to live is to benefit me. In theology, it's called the purpose-driven life. The purpose is me. Read the book. No, don't read the book. I've known too many people that have been taken in by it. The sole purpose of the shepherd is to generate a profit and income from the sheep. Otherwise, he could not keep the sheep. Now, sheep do very little, and the Old Testament shepherds, I am very grateful that they were not modern-day sheep farmers because one of the principal products of the modern-day sheep farmer is mutton, that is sheep meat. Uh, Unfortunately, in order to produce mutton, sheep have to die. Now, the Old Testament shepherd, his primary production was not mutton. His primary production was wool. That's a good thing for the sheep, amen? Amen. Because in order to produce wool, the sheep have to live. And by the way, do you think skinny, ill-fed sheep produce good wool? No, they don't. You want fat, well-hydrated, well-fed sheep, and they produce the best wool. And so, it is in the interest of the shepherd to take care of the sheep and to do so well because the sheep will then produce the most wool for him and there will be a profit in this thing and his children and he will eat without having to slaughter the sheep. Now, I know this is not amazing stuff this morning. This shouldn't be new to anyone. But when is the last time you read Psalm 23? Instead of in the key of me, thinking about all the wonderful things God's promising me in this passage, thinking about the shepherd. I've preached Psalm 23, I don't know how many times, but this is the first time I've preached it like this. You see, the Lord is my shepherd. You know why I can make that statement with David, the psalmist? because on August 27th, 1977, or August 28th, something like that, I stopped praying prayers. I stopped trying to be good enough to deserve salvation. And I just came to Jesus as a sinner, and I asked him to save me. And you know what? He did. He transferred transformed a dog or a pig or whatever other Bible animal you want to use those are the animals the Bible uses to picture sinners and it's not a kind picture because in Jesus day Fifi didn't exist there were not these little tiny dogs that you put, in, put on your lap and kept in your house dogs were scavengers most of the pigs were wild, even the ones that were raised by people who were non-Jewish people. They they would let them scavenge out, scavenge out in the wilderness and forage for whatever they might find. And of course, somebody said a pig is one of the most efficient things. You take a bunch of garbage, pour it into the uh, feed trough, and you get uh, pork and all those wonderful things. But those were not clean animals. They're not pictured well, but when you trust Jesus as your Savior, He changes you. That's why it's called being born again. There's nothing good enough in the old you to make the new one. He's got to give you a brand new life. And how often... Help people who are struggling with their salvation. We uh, they say, Pastor, I'm not sure about this. I like to start at the beginning. How do you know you're born? Well, I can look in the mirror. I can see me. I'm alive. I mean, I can pinch. I feel pain. Uh, I'm sure Ashley's enjoying uh, little Peter waking up in the middle of the night and, and letting her know he's been born. Now feed me, and and feed me again, and again, and again. But the simple truth of the matter is, we know someone's been born because they're alive. If you're not sure that you're alive, ought you not get to a doctor really quick, amen? Amen. You see, the Bible has the answers. I don't know I'm alive because I just feel good. I don't know I'm alive, spiritually speaking, because of the things I do. I know that He is my shepherd because the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, has Jesus always been the Lord of my life in every decision? No. Because I sin just like you sin. But I did make a decision that he would be the Lord of my life. And when I mess up, where do I go? Back to Him, amen? Because He's the one in charge. He's the only one that can forgive sins. The Lord is my shepherd. Here's what the psalmist said in another psalm. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. The Lord has to be number one. The Lord did not save you so that you could feel better about life. He did not save you just so that you could have answers to problems. He did not save you just so that he could take care of you. He saved you for a purpose. He expects you to do some things. Just like a shepherd expects sheep to do something as he keeps them. There's a picture there. And again, I want to reiterate, I am so glad it's the Old Testament shepherd and not the modern sheep farm because Jesus isn't producing mutton. He is producing wool. He is producing things that will benefit the shepherd. But let's not skip over the personal pronouns because it's my shepherd. There has to be a personal relationship there. Many of you know I just got back last night from helping my brother uh, clean out uh, the house. Four generations on my mother's side have lived in that home, and now we're getting ready to sell the property, and I mean, it was just... Uh, absolutely amazing some of the things we found. My brother comes up and hands me a little box. He said, do you want this? I said, what is it? He said, it's mom and dad's love letters. I said, don't you want it? He says, no. I said, yeah, I'd like to have that. Have you read any yet? No, not enough time. But you know, I'd like to read because there's a relationship there. No way I could bring everything home, but I found a a little knick-knack book or a little memo book that belonged to my great-grandmother. And she had just cut out recipes and little uh, helpful hints around the house and pasted them all in this little book. It was all falling apart said, you know, there's a relationship there. I'd I'd just like to look through that thing. I mean, I might get rid of it after I've looked through it, but I'd like because there's something in common. He also gave me my high school graduation picture, 11 by 14 in living color. You're not going to see it. (laughs) But... That little word, my, is important, my friend. There's an awful lot of people that claim, Brother Franz did an excellent job in Sunday school this morning about Judas. Let me tell you something. There's an awful lot of people who claim to be sheep, but they don't have the right shepherd. You see, the Lord, is my shepherd. How can I know that it is the Lord that is my shepherd and not somebody else? Well, it's real easy. Read his book. If you're his sheep, John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but you're going to understand what's in the Bible. You're not going to listen when Sung Young Moon says he's come to fix what Jesus failed at. You're not going to listen when the cultist and whoever else happens to come along and start preaching that you need to understand your Bible through their literature or their uh, their booklets or through the teachings of their great leader. You're not going to believe and you're not going to listen when the idiot comes along, because that's the only proper medical term that I know of, and says you've got to listen to yourself. It's already in your heart. Realize your Inner giant, or something like champion, that's it. Realize your inner champion. I mean, there, what could be more foolish? This book tells me that the heart that beats within my body is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know? Why should I listen to myself? Let me ask you a question when's the last time you've been right about anything that you didn't check out in the Word of God first? Amen? Let's talk about this. The Lord is my shepherd. A personal relationship. There means that there is responsibility on the part of the shepherd to take care of the sheep. So why, when something goes wrong, do we try to figure out how the shepherd is going to take care of us? Here's what the psalmist said. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You see, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Now let me ask you a question. I want you to think this morning, if you would, I want you to think very hard. If Jesus was willing, and he was, to lay down his life for you and I, to leave heaven's glory, to wrap himself in human flesh, to be incarnated is the word that we use, Emmanuel, God with us, to live here on this earth and to lay down his life in our place. What more? What more could you ask than what he has already done? Yet we all have needs, my friend, do we not? But we've got to look at this a little differently than we normally do. What did Paul tell the Philippian church? But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The writer of Hebrews says, let us therefore therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I want you to understand something today that Jesus has already given to the utmost, if he was willing to do that, what what would be asking too much of him? What more could he possibly do? And yet we look And sometimes we feel like our shepherd's not taking care of us the way that he ought. I'll tell you what needs to be fixed. It's not the shepherd. It's the sheep. Could I hear amen or oh me on that? You see, the shepherd will take care of the sheep because he is the good shepherd. It's all about Jesus. You see, there was a church in the book of Revelation that thought they had everything they needed. And you know what Jesus said to them? Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And he goes on to say, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. You make me sick. The self-sufficient having all your needs met and just living this wonderful fairy tale of a life is simply that, a fairy tale. Jesus wants us to see our need, but he's already supplied it because he is the shepherd. Now these next verses can take on a completely different context. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. I want you to read those next four words with me out loud. For His name's sake. Let's go back and try that again. For his name's sake. Now, I'm going to read the first part of those two verses, and when we get back to for his name's sake, I want it nice and loud and all together. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake you see I think and have thought and I I would trust that I'm not the only one that's ever done this that when he talks about lying down in green pastures it's vacation time I'm gonna get away from my work a little bit here. Well, well, let's get back to what the work of the sheep was. The work of the sheep is to grow, isn't that true? Is to produce a woolly coat. You see, when it talks about these green pastures that he maketh me lie down in, there's a reason for that. He wants me to eat. Good food spiritually, so I'll grow and produce what I ought to produce. I don't need a break from my relationship with God. That is not a source of pressure in my life. It's what allows me to live. I need a break from construction once in a while, amen? I need a break from some other things. But I never need a break from partaking of spiritual food which is found in the Word of God. It says, He leadeth me beside the still waters. Those that are supposed to know these things say sheep cannot drink from running water. It makes them nervous and, and, and they do not get proper, it's got to be still water for the sheep to drink. I don't know that much about sheep, but makes sense to me. You know, sometimes one of the hardest things in the world for me to do is just be still and let God speak to me just to be still you see this word is not only for drinking my friend it's for washing as well he leadeth me beside the still waters it says he restoreth my soul how many of you have ever tried this I'm just going to take a few days, I'm going to get away from everybody and everything. I just kind of feel empty inside and I'm, I'm just going to let God rebuild me. And you come back emptier than when you left. Anybody ever try that? It's because you're taking a break from the wrong things. Sometimes God uses adversity to restore our souls. James chapter 1. You see, this is what we mean when we talk about the Bible as its own commentary. How is he going to restore my soul? He's got to build it up. How does that happen? Sometimes it happens through tribulation. Sometimes it's through adversity. But if I will follow him, he's going to lead me in the paths of righteousness. Paths of righteousness. But I've got to understand something. I am not walking in the paths of righteousness so I can tell you what a good life I have. I am not walking in the paths of righteousness just because I'm going to benefit from walking in those paths. I am walking in the paths of righteousness so that there can be something that will bring glory and honor to His name through the path that I walk through this life. Because I'm a sheep. I'm supposed to produce that which sheep produce. And Jesus tells me that what Sheep are his sheep produce is glory to his name. What is the last thing that happened in your life that God said that someone else could say? Only God could have accomplished that in your life. God is good because of what I see happening in your life. You see, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. I mean, we use the word Christian today outside the United States the word Christian typically means you're not Islam, you're not Hindu, you're not a member of any of the other world's great religions, and you're not doing weird little things in the jungle with uh, whatever, worshiping the devils and all of that stuff. You, you loosely use the Bible. Well, I, I want to challenge you today. Mormons are not Christians. Christians. Jehovah's Witnesses are not Christians. The Church of Christ are not Christians, especially the Church of Christ of New York City. That is one of the most bizarre organizations that has ever been known to mankind. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just say thank you, Lord. Let me tell you, not everybody that calls themselves a Christian is a Christian. But he says, he leads us, he does these things, he maketh me to lie down, he leadeth me beside the still waters, he restoreth my soul, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Then says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. The valley of the shadow of death. I'll tell you what, it's a place where none of us want to go. My brother and I were talking uh, House, as we were cleaning out the house and talking to one of the uh, prospective buyers of the house, it's a young family, and what in the world they want to move into that old house for and all the work that needs to be done. Well, but I said, you know, Mike, I said this house has been about dying far too long. We started going through. My great-grandmother passed away in that house. My grandmother died uh, in the house. My uncle died in the house. My grandfather died in a nursing home while living in the house. My mom died in the hospital. I'll tell you what. I'm not going to miss that house. (laughs) It's too dark of a corridor to tread. Too many memories. The shadow falls heavy there. Why? Because death is never welcome, my friend. The valley of the shadow of death. There's only one comfort you can have as you walk through that valley. Thou art with me. You see, should he choose to take me on to the other side, I don't know what all heaven is going to be like, but I have an awful lot of hope based on the words of this book called the Bible. And the only comfort I can give and the only comfort I know to give others as they walk through that valley, thou art with me. But I'll tell you something. For many people, that's not good enough. And the reason it isn't good enough is not because of the shepherd. It's because the sheep need to get fixed. Amen? You see, he walked the whole way through that valley as it led up to a little hill outside the city of Jerusalem. And then his body was carried to an empty tomb not far away. But I like what happened on the third day. How about you? As he came back through the valley of the shadow of death, I need fear, no evil. What is that next phrase? Thy rod and thy staff. They comfort me. Now let me tell you, the rod and the staff, this is poetry here. It's, it's talking basically about the same instrument there that the shepherd would carry. Uh, some of them are pictured as a, as a hook on the end like a big candy cane. And they would say that the shepherd would use that the hooked end of that to reach over the side of a cliff and pull back a sheep that had fallen or maybe who was entangled in a briar patch. He could literally extricate the sheep from that with that, with that instrument. But uh, let a snake get anywhere near the sheep. And uh, guess what might happen to that snake? a sharp crack of the shepherd's staff can break the back of any snake before it has time to bite. David had nothing but a slingshot and the shepherd's staff, his rod. And it wasn't a slingshot, it was a sling far different from what you and I think of but it was with those tools that David delivered the lambs from the mouth of the lion you see that rod and that staff they comfort me but sometimes God's got to use it in a little different way than we would like him to do I have to explain that I mean, sometimes he's got to take the rod of education and apply it to the seat of understanding. Amen? He's got to give us a little working over so that we'll get back into the way. But you know the greatest way you can love your children is teach them the meaning of the word No. I've often said about my father, he taught me the meaning of two words. "no" and now. I'll tell you what, there's a whole education in those two words. Thy rod and thy staff, you know what? They comfort me. Because when my heart starts wanting things that the shepherd doesn't want for me, When I start straying out of the way, that old hook's going to come and grab a hold of me and start pulling me back. And by the way, if you don't go back, well, maybe you better check out which shepherd is yours because my shepherd is going to do something. Amen? Amen. Because he cares for the sheep. Now here's a hard one. This is the hardest of all. I think it's the one we put the least thought to in this entire psalm. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I don't know how many of you have had a real enemy. Someone who was trying to destroy you someone whose life was being lived for the sole purpose of taking everything you care about away from you and making your life miserable. David had some enemies. Let me tell you, one of his greatest enemy, probably the most dangerous enemy that David faced. Somebody say, oh, it had to be Goliath. No, it wasn't Goliath. How many know who Ahithophel was? It wasn't Absalom, David's own son. David's most dangerous enemy was his closest counselor. That's who Ahithophel was. Ahithophel picked up on Absalom's rebellion. And he was Absalom's chief counselor in the rebellion against David. And if Absalom had had enough sense to listen to Ahithophel, David would have died. And the whole story would have been different. But I'll tell you something. I'm glad the shepherd was there to prepare a table for David in the presence of his enemies. You see, when someone is really trying to hurt you, Do you feel like eating? Or do you feel like defending yourself? I mean, if somebody was outside these doors, banging on them with clubs and axes and guns, coming in trying to kill us, as happens in certain parts of the world, let me tell you, just because people meet in the name of Jesus, do you think you'd be able to sit calmly down and enjoy a nice meal? Or do you think the wheels of Ajuda would be turning and pass me the Tums and, uh, and uh, the Prilosec and the acid reducer and uh, uh, all the other medicines that they have? I mean, that's where we are because we get worried about those things. He said, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Do you know what that means? That meant that the psalmist was so consumed with the person of the shepherd that even though his very life was in danger, it wasn't even a passing thought because the shepherd was there and he was providing for him. I read those verses and I say, you know what? There's some work that God needs to do in this heart. I don't think I'm there yet. Do you? You see, the problem isn't the shepherd. The problem is the sheep. That's why there's a shepherd. He's the one that takes care of the sheep. I love this next one, and it's probably one of the most exploited verses in the Bible. It says, Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. You follow that anointing through the scripture. The idea of having one's head anointed with oil belonged to only two groups of people. The king and the priest. By the way, it was the, uh, the, the high priest that was anointed and the, and the other priests were anointed with oil. And the king was anointed with oil. David is a young man. Uh, my uh, little Jason's got a book called David, and it's got the life story of David in there and pictures and things. And, you know, he comes up at night, I want to read, read, read. And so I sat down and I looked through the book and the, the picture they had in there. And so being the kind, gentle father I am, I changed all the words. Because, you see, David's brethren did not know what Samuel did. They were all around him, but I believe they were facing the other way. Because if Saul had heard that Samuel had poured oil on David's head, he would have really been trying to kill him long before he met Goliath. But God used the old prophet Samuel and seven of his brethren to protect little David from the knowledge of what God was going to do. How much of this world is just crazy about being somebody important? How many things are done so you can just be important? It says right here that the shepherd, whom we know to be the Lord Jesus Christ, has anointed your head with oil. We read in the book of Revelation, if you want to understand what this means, it says, Thou hast made us what? kings and priests, unto our God. You know what? I don't need to go to school to learn how important I am because the king of all the earth has anointed my head with oil. He counted me special enough to lay down his life on Calvary's cross so I could be one of his sheep. Not to be lazy and fat and have my own way, but to produce glory that is worthy of his name. You see, this psalm is not about you, it's not about me, it's about Jesus. He has made me special. He has called me out. And I don't care what anybody else thinks or says. And if I start caring, it's because I got a problem. I'm not consumed enough with the person of the shepherd. And once I get that... I'm not worried about what anybody else says or thinks. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Why? Well, if I'm lying down in the green pastures, it's because he put me there. If I'm walking beside the still waters, it's because he led me there the restoring that I need in my soul is the building that he does through his word. The paths of righteousness are for his name's sake, not for mine. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's because he led me there too. If I'm in the presence of mine enemy, guess what? What? it ought to be because he led me there, not because I went and found a few on my own. You see, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life because I am walking at the direction of the shepherd. I am enjoying life at the direction of the shepherd. I am telling fear to go away at the direction of the shepherd. That's why goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever because the promises of being a sheep of this shepherd are not only for this life, but they are in all eternity. And if you can't say amen to that, I don't know what to do with you. Well, let's try that again. The promises that this shepherd gives are not only for this life, but for all eternity. I was hoping we'd do a little better than that. Listen. Listen. It's not Psalm 23 in the key of me. Because even though there are 15 personal pronouns talking about me, it's because he has to do something to somebody. And I don't know about you, but if Jesus is doing something good, I want me to be the receiver of the good. Amen? And the way that works is I have to be his sheep. Sheep are noted for their lack of intelligence. Sheep are noted for their lack of direction. Domesticated sheep. Sheep are noted for not being able to protect themselves. That's why they need a shepherd. But sheep are supposed to produce for the shepherd. Now all of this, I hope, will allow you to understand one other verse in the Bible. And then we'll be done. I want you to turn with me to the Book of Revelation, chapter four. When I preach through the book of Revelation, I get to this verse, and I always get people just looking a little askance and looking a little weird and saying, Really, what Pastor, what's that verse mean? And I tried to explain it, and I have tried to preach on this verse, and I always just get kind of blank looks and blank stares. But let's read this verse together. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, because he's worthy, because he created us for his pleasure. Those green pastures may not be green to you, but they're what you need to grow and produce for Him. Those still waters may be a little scary to you, but they're what you need so that you can walk in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. No one seeks the valley of the shadow of death. But if he's there, it doesn't matter. No one wants to be attacked by enemies. But if he's there, it ought not matter. You see, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever because He's anointed me to be His servant. Thou hast made us kings and priests unto our God. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. He has a purpose, and that purpose is His pleasure. That's why we were created. The shepherd doesn't need any help. I've often heard pastors say, well, I'm the under-shepherd and Jesus is the shepherd. I've never really been comfortable with that. I know what they're saying. A pastor has responsibilities to lead in a church, and that's why I'm preaching this sermon this morning. But I want you to understand something. I'm a sheep, and he's my shepherd. And every good thing in my life is there because he's my shepherd. And if there's anything I could pray, anything I could desire for every person in this auditorium is to be a sheep that belongs to the shepherd, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. That happens when you get saved. Let me just share one other thing with you this morning. Please, don't talk to... This is a story about my youngest daughter, Esther. And so I'm going to ask you not to talk to her about the story. You understand why. Several years ago... She came in and she was just sobbing and and uh, Julia brought her to me and she said, Daddy, I need to be saved. And we went through the plan of salvation and she prayed a prayer. What was it, about a month ago, six weeks ago? Something in that neighborhood. She comes back and, I'm not sure I'm saved. I, I don't remember and we begin that process of helping her weed through her own little thoughts and finally just last week she came to the conclusion that she had never been saved she got saved and there's been a change but I want to tell you something That process could not have occurred in her little life, even though she's in a preacher's home, if she weren't in church every service. Those little ones may look like they're not paying attention, but they're getting things. You see, God made the church to help you get over you so that you can simply, as that little child, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And then you can know he's your shepherd. And he'll take care of you because he's the good shepherd. And when you allow your heart to start wanting Well, he's got the rod and the staff to bring us back in the way. That's a comfort to know that no really does mean no. And that now really does mean now, not just a few minutes from now. Amen? You see, it's all about the shepherd. Because once you become one of His sheep, you'll do what He wants you to do. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and, and Lord, I just ask, once again, that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to touch hearts. Lord, I do not know every person in this auditorium well enough to know what's going on in their heart. But you do. Lord, you know those who are not of your sheep because they've never trusted you as their Savior. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to convict in those lives and that they would feel the pressure of their unforgiven sin and that they would allow that pressure to bring them to Jesus. Lord, I pray today for the sheep that have a want list that they would realize that the problem is not the shepherd. It is their own hearts. I pray for those that are under the weight of many burdens, that are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, that they would take their attention and place it solely upon the shepherd. Lord, for those that are fighting the enemy, that they would stop thinking about the enemy and that they would allow themselves to enjoy the bounty of the shepherd. For those that struggle with who they are and their self-worth and importance, that they would understand that If they are a sheep of this shepherd, they've been anointed with oil. They are important in the eyes of the shepherd. Lord, we pray for those who struggle with the circumstances of this life more than they do with preparation for eternity. That we would lift our eyes and see through faith what awaits for those who are willing to become sheep of the great shepherd. And that we would willingly place ourselves at your disposal because we were created for your pleasure. And Lord, that we would bring pleasure to you. Lord, I pray you'd open the eyes of our understanding that we may live this simple psalm. And not once would we allow our thoughts to go to me, but we would sing this psalm in honor and glory to the shepherd. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The hymn of invitation 508. It is his power. It is he that has to work. If you need to come and pray, just lay the hymn books down and come on. Would you live for Jesus?